Hello and welcome to the Positive Choices Podcast, where we give you brain-based strategies to help children make positive choices, solve social problems, regulate strong feelings, and thrive. I'm Lindsay Keeley, a social and emotional learning specialist and your host. In today's episode, we're talking all about the need for connection and what this means in a world full of smartphones and presently full of people wearing masks. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi there. I hope that you're having a great week so far. Thank you for joining me and for tuning into this week's episode. I have currently been listening to podcast episodes on walks. Within the last week, it's really started to get warmer in Bend, Oregon, where I'm based out of. So I just put my headphones in and the deal I make with myself is I have to walk until an episode is done. So sometimes in light of this new deal I have with myself, I choose some shorter episodes. But regardless, it's been fun to be out in the in the warm weather that we've been having lately here in Bend. So Today's episode was inspired by a really sweet story that my grandma told me. She was out recently shopping at the grocery store, and while she was waiting in line, she made eye contact with another shopper. A gentleman was standing in front of her and turned around, and he said, I know you can't tell this because I'm wearing a mask, but I'm smiling at you. And both my grandma and this gentleman at the grocery store had this moment of connection. They both kind of laughed. But my grandma told me that this moment that she experienced with a complete stranger was so affirming. It was just beautiful. It really made her feel good and it made her feel connected. And this is something that is completely different than we've ever experienced before in light of the pandemic, having to wear masks. And as we're in public, not having that same level of connection with one another, being able to see our smiles and our faces completely. And so as I was reflecting both on this sweet story and also the concerns that parents and educators have brought to me in regard to connecting with children and how the, the concern that this pandemic and especially the the concept that we're wearing masks, not able to have this frequent emotional connection to the level that we used to, there's this concern over how it's affecting children developmentally. And while in this episode, I'm not going to be talking about the research because it's still developing, I'm not going to be talking about the research behind how masks are affecting in a psychological way children. I'm not going to be talking about anything in regard to policy with masks, but I am going to be talking about the importance for social connection. And this also ties greatly into the concept of how technology and smartphones and our relationships with them are also impacting our relationships with children, just in a similar way that masks are. And so something I want to get started with is just say, take a big, deep breath in and let it out. Now put your right hand over your heart, take another breath and say, it's okay. Oftentimes when I work with parents and educators, we hear things like, it's not okay to do this. Or when you say this messaging, it can affect kids in this negative way. And I think whenever our gut reaction is shame or anxiety or fear, 
that's not going to put us in the best space to learn. And honestly, the thing that's going to most inspire us and motivate us to make change in our lives for the better is coming from a place of self-compassion and a place of feeling inspired by good news. So before I move on to the next part of diving into some research and some practical tips, just know that regardless of how you have been interacting, you're your relationship with your phone, how you've been connecting before and after being out and about wearing your mask and then coming home and having that connection time with children. Just take a a deep breath in and out and tell yourself it is okay. We are all experiencing a great deal of stress, of course, to different degrees, but it's important for us to say, you know what? It's okay. (laughs) Wherever we're at, it's okay. And how can we do better? How can we make some little tweaks? Bob Goff calls them quarter turns. I love that terminology. Just a little quarter turn in the way that we have our everyday interactions to have a positive impact on our relationships with children, our relationships with our colleagues, our partners, and most importantly, how we relate to ourselves and how that translates into the way that we live, parent, and teach. So you might be wondering, why are we talking about smartphones and masks? What do they have to do with each other? And how does all this pertain to connection? So in order to tie this all together, I'm going to talk about some research because you know, research is my jam. (laughs) It's what inspires me to make these episodes. And the research that I'm gonna be referencing today is so powerful. And it's something that I learned about when I was getting my human development and family sciences degree, when I was learning about the interactions of parents and caregivers and children and how that affects development. And there's a video that illustrates this research. And I tell you what, when you watch this, if you watch this, I'll link it in the show notes, you will most likely cry. Or if you don't cry, it will probably resonate within you in some capacity and just really pull at your heartstrings. And this is, it's called the still face experiment. And this experiment was first done and conducted by Dr. Edward Tronic of University of Massachusetts, Boston. And he was a part of this university's infant parent mental health program. And he was conducting research to really unearth how a mother's depression and other stressful events or behaviors in her life might affect the health and development of infants and children. And This experiment really was incredible in terms of the reach that it's had. In fact, it actually remains as one of the most replicated findings in developmental psychology. It's been replicated again and again with a variety of populations, and the research remains similar. And that is that even very young infants have the basic building blocks for social cognition that's already in place for them. And also, it highly suggests that infants and babies have a sense of the relationship between both facial expressions and emotions. And they have this basic social understanding that they can start to regulate their own emotions and attention to a certain extent based on how the caregivers are, based on how the caregivers are responding to them. And that infants can try to re-engage with caregivers. And to an extent, they're able to have a goal-directed behavior to re-engage that connection. Because at the end of the day, when you boil it all down, all humans need connection. 
And if you choose to watch the video of the still face experiment in action, I highly recommend it. Again, you can look at the link in our show notes, or you can just go to YouTube and type in still face experiment. And this video will change your life. It really will. It's something that will give you pause as to how you interact with your technology in light of the children around you, in light of other people, other adults around you. And the video shows a mother who's attuned, meaning responding to the child's emotions and having this really beautiful connection in which the child and the mother are coordinating emotions and intentions. She's being being very responsive, saying, hi, baby, and touching her toes. The baby points across the room and the mother turns and looks to where the baby had pointed. And so she, this mother's being very responsive, very attuned. And ultimately, she is connecting with this child to a very high degree. Then here's the heartbreaking part. The second half of the experiment is about two minutes of the mother not responding, not attuning to her child. And this is why they call it the still face. So whereas before she had this warm expression, now for the the latter part of the experiment, the mother has a still face. So no expression, just a very neutral face, looking straight at the baby, but not being responsive. And so what you see is the baby who's used to this mother being responsive and having, you know, that coordination of emotions, the intentions where they're communicating in their way, non-verbally and also with baby speak. And what happens is the mother has the still face, and I don't even know how she did this. This would be so difficult. But in the name of science, we learn from this experiment. And the mother doesn't attune to the child. She's just quiet and she doesn't respond. And you see the baby go through different phases. At first, the baby tries to do everything that she knows works. So she claps her hands. She smiles at the mom. She reaches both of her arms out as if to say, pick me up. She makes little happy coos and come on, mom. That's what it appears that she's trying to articulate. She takes her finger and she points it across the room again because she knows that at one point that was a bid for connection that worked for her. And then you also see this little baby as she nears the end of her, of the two minutes and near the end of her bids for connection and and what that refers to, John Gottman, amazing researcher. I've referenced him before. A bid for connection is an action in which someone is reaching out. And this can look very different. My husband has bids for connection by asking me to go mountain bike riding, riding, and that is his bid, or wanting to eat pizza. So we have different different ways of bidding, as in requesting or, or trying to elicit connection from someone. So the baby tries one last one last bid and she makes this really loud fussing sound and then you see her turn her head to the to the side avoiding contact from the mom and this baby is going through so much stress because she is not able to get the emotional attunement she's not getting that connection from the mom this baby was just experiencing a lot of stress in her nervous system. And I want you to pause for a moment. If you're driving or on your walk, by all means, keep driving and keep walking. But stop and think about the last time that you were in a public place, whether it was the grocery store or Target, my favorite place in the world. <laughs> um, think about what it was like for you walking around with your mask on and seeing other individuals wearing masks. We're starting to get used to this 
crazy time that we're in. And, and one of the things that we have to keep in mind, just like in the still face experiment, is that when we have a still face, when our emotions are not attuning or being responsive to those of children, it can greatly impact them. So our children today, as they sit in the shopping carts or walk alongside you, they're trying to cope with this new world that we live in, and they're trying to navigate their their way through this difficult season. And I think it's important for us just to take a moment and to acknowledge, wow, this is definitely less than ideal in terms of how we normally would connect with a baby. Let's say if you're pushing your stroller or the shopping cart and you're saying, oh, look at those shoes, or isn't that cool? That man's wearing a hat. And even, of course, we, we're still talking to our children as we're out and about, but the way that our emotions are expressed through our facial expressions, that's really what this study found. That is a huge piece. And so what does this mean? What does this mean for the way that we live, parent, and teach? And should we be freaking out right now? Well, let me pause and hop back to the research of the still face experiment before I answer that question. So back to the experiment, the baby was just trying to get the mother's attention. She was trying all these different bids for connection and was unsuccessful. And right about now, you're wanting to stop the video on YouTube. You're starting to get upset at me for even suggesting that you watch it. And luckily though, the experiment goes into phase two. And this is where the mother goes back to her normal connection. And then you take a huge sigh of relief when that part of the experiment's over and the mom says, hi, baby, I'm right here. And then the baby is still, you know, upset, but then she starts to relax and they they get their interplay back again. She touches the baby's feet and the baby giggles and they have this reunion, the the repair from the rupture that occurred when the when the mother wasn't being emotionally responsive or attuned. And with this research, and it's been replicated over and over across different populations, they've done this with fathers and also with strangers and babies, we find a common thread. The bottom line is children need attention. This attention is critical. It's this intrinsic need, this basic need that humans have to connect with one another. And as children bid for connections in different ways, they, they try different things, it is imperative that we respond to them and that we provide them with connection. And so here's the good news. The good news is just like that baby was able to reconnect with her mother and get back reattuned emotionally and they were able to start to respond and have that secure attachment formed, we can do that with our children. And so even though they're at school all day with masks on, if that is the policy where you are, even though we're out and about and we do have this extra layer of potentially emotionally blocking in terms of our facial expressions and our facial interplays, we can come home, we can take off that mask and say, hey, I'm right here, baby. Or we can say, tell me all about what you thought when we were at Target. What was that like for you when we saw that boy fall down and trip? So it's almost like you're able to rush home and go to the bathroom, but emotionally rush home and then connect emotionally and then have some of those basic needs met. So it just means no need to freak out. <laughs> That's never the answer. No need to freak out, but rather we can pause, 
we can take a deep breath. We can have some self-compassion because if you've been coming home from Target and going on to dinner and the next thing and not really thinking about making sure to infuse more of that face-to-face emotional connection, that's okay. You can just try it tonight. You can try to try it over dinner or when you get up in the morning, you're helping your kids put their shoes on or whatever it is as a teacher, as you're greeting the children as they walk in. Again, you might have your mask on, but you can really accentuate with your eyes just and use that warm voice to say, hey, I see you. I am so glad to be with you. That's one of the ways that we can really provide that positive, secure attachment and connection even though we're having to wear face coverings that can impact our typical facial features that would express our emotions, that would convey them. So first tip is to really take advantage of the times when we can take our masks off, when we're at home or whenever it is that you're able to take that off out at the park, whatever uh, your comfort level is, and really make sure to connect with your child and build that in, the face-to-face connection. The second thing that we can do to build that connection and help our children build resilience in the face of wearing face coverings is talk about what someone is feeling when they're wearing a mask. And it's almost like we're learning a brand new language. We're trying to help children understand, okay, now we can't see someone's face, but what does someone's eyebrows tell us about how they're feeling? If eyebrows are tilted downward and you could practice by showing an angry face, What emotion is that? And you might even turn this into a game where you put masks on and you say, guess my feeling, and you just kind of experiment and talk about what emotions look like when someone's wearing a mask. Now, by popular request, I'm actually going to create a YouTube video that teaches children about emotions when there are masks on. So that's something, if you wanna get notified as to when this video is coming out, it's something that you could watch with your children as a caregiver, teachers could play it for their students, and it's just trying to learn this new emotional literacy, this new language with masks. So if you're interested in that, you can visit Positive Choices on YouTube, and you could subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way you're notified when that video is available. So hopefully that will be helpful for that second tip, which is to talk about what feelings look like when we're wearing masks. Now, tip number three has to do with technology and more specifically, our smartphones. I was in the airport not too long ago and I had this moment where I set my phone down and I looked up and every single person near me, all of the chairs around me in the terminal, every person was either holding their phone or looking at their phone. And the vast majority of those around me were looking at their phone and swiping and engaging with their technology. And this was including those families that had their kids with them. So this was one of those moments where I was just like, oh my goodness, (laughs) we are really consumed with our technology. And it's no surprise. We know that this is such a common and such a integral part of how we do our day-to-day interactions now with how we connect with others, with social media, also with our work, how so much of that has been uh, made digital and now we have Zoom. So one of the things I want to express is that we can be intentional with how we use our technology. And that's not to say we need to put our phones away and we just shouldn't ever use them. Of course, we do want to have some We want to have some parameters for ourselves. And so in order to really be mindful 
of our technology usage and more specifically how that pertains to how we connect with our children, we can have a couple of things in place. So number one, we can verbalize with our children why we're on our phone and how long we'll be on our phone for. And this is something that Dr. Tina Payne Bryson talks about. She has a wonderful podcast. There's a series of episodes and it's called Baby in the House. And it's about her book, Bottom Line for Baby. And within this one of, one of the podcast episodes, I'll link it in the show notes, it's about technology. And a simple thing that she recommends that we can do is just tell your child, this also works for spouses and other adults in your life. You can say, hey, you know what? This is talking to a child. I need to call your dad or I need to text your dad so that he knows that we're picking up dinner. That way he doesn't also get dinner. So I'm going to be on my phone for just a couple minutes while I text him. And I'm also going to text your grandma to let her know we're visiting her this weekend. So just by saying that quick little piece to our child, they know, oh, my mom's here or my dad or grandma or whomever's there. My caregiver's there for me and they know I'm here and they're tending to some business on their phone, but you're still maintaining that sense of connection, that social connection is there. So that's one thing we can do. We can verbalize and articulate to our children when we're on our phone and why we're on our phone. And then we also can do something called screen time limits. And this is something we think of of doing for our children, our teens, our younger children on iPads, but we can actually do it for ourselves. So you can think ahead of, okay, like how long is a good amount of time that I want to be on social media? Maybe you've decided, I think about 15 minutes is a good amount of time out of my day that I want to have devoted to social media. I'm going to allow myself that amount of time. And it's so funny. I actually did this myself and my husband, um, we both did it on our phones. And so And I have it actually set so the phone will lock once I get to 15 minutes. And it's surprising. It's like, oh, this is done. Well, what am I going to do now? So it's actually, at first, it can be kind of frustrating, especially if you're in the middle of posting something and you're like, well, this is going to have to wait till tomorrow. But then you find out that's okay if it waits until tomorrow. So I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of the Positive Choices Podcast. I really hope for you that you're able to really feel good about how you move forward with connecting with your children, with being really expressive with your emotions, being present for them and connecting with them and what they're feeling and implementing some of those tips. As a refresher, tip number one was to really make sure you're carving time out of your schedule to connect with your child face-to-face, expressing your emotions and allowing them to express their emotions, especially as we think about children being in school all day. If you've been out about in public, you could think, well, I'm spending time with my kids, but it's not the same as being face-to-face with them and having that emotional interplay. So that's tip number one. Tip number two is just to talk about what emotions look like when we have masks on. You could say, guess what I'm feeling? That could be a game with the masks. And again, we're going to have that video coming up soon that talks about that. So that's the second thing you can do. And then finally, you can start to be mindful about your usage of technology. And you can do that first by communicating with your children what you're doing and how long you'll be doing something on your phone, which could sound like, I'm texting your dad or I'm emailing some people back for my work because it's really important for my work. But in about 10 minutes, I'll be able to play with you. Or in 10 minutes, I'll get to talk to you about that story you wanted to tell me from school. And you can even have sand timers from Amazon 
or wherever you get your sand timers, you could get a pack of different sand timers of different lengths of time. So I use this a lot with coaching clients. I I suggest that they purchase a set of timers. So there's like a two minute or a five minute, upwards of 30 minutes. So if you know you need to you need to take like 15 minutes or 20 minutes to really get your work emails done. You could even just pass the timer to your child if you're at home and say, you know what? It's gonna take me about this long to finish my work emails. Let's flip it over. You can take it with you into your playroom. And as soon as that sands down to the bottom, come get me. And then I'll be able to hear the rest of your story. So that's that's something that can help. And then finally, you could consider putting some of the screen time locks on your own technology. And it might seem kind of strange at first, but it actually is helpful because I think even as adults, these different supports can help us stay accountable and it can help us focus our time and our attention on the things that matter. And that is the connections that we have with others. I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your week. And if you wanna check out the video that will be coming out soon, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have a brand new book called Bear's ABC Book, which teaches important social and emotional learning strategies through the alphabet. That will be coming out soon. So follow us on Facebook or Instagram to get notified as to when that new book is coming out. Again, I hope that you have a great week full of social connection and emotional attunement. Talk with you soon.